Welcome to another episode of The Root of All Business. Uh, this is your host, Jazz Bear, and today's guest is Stephanie Real. She's the founder and CEO of Real Deal Marketing, um, a boutique marketing firm based out in the U.S. She has a decade of experience in digital marketing, branding, and public relations experience. She's worked with uh, brands across a variety of industries, including technology, e-commerce, health and wellness, real estate, retail, and consumer packaged goods, just to name a few. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Just before we begin, um, and first of all, today we are going to talk about rebranding. But just before we begin, obviously, we now live in different times. Things have drastically changed in 2020. No one expected this. So how's business uh, during this period for you? I have been very lucky. Uh, I've actually worked remotely for about five years now. And luckily, my clients are still able to maintain. Um, So I haven't seen much of a shift on my side. But any new business, there is some hesitation to you know, to invest the money to do a rebrand or to to start a new marketing project right now. So I have seen some slowdown for new business onboarding right now. Awesome. And, and uh, you know, I was having this conversation with someone, even though we are almost in times like we are in recession, it's just that we, and we are not in recession, but we will eventually be at some point. It's just that the hesitancy people have. And then it's a matter of learning that we are online anyway, pretty much. Maybe we may not be 100% online, but 70, 80% we are online. And maybe perhaps this is the time is going to be that push where we, can, we are probably you know, closer to a 90 or 100% online, which is very interesting. So obviously today we are talking about rebranding. So let's, let's kind of begin by, you know, why would an organization rebrand? And, and, and before, before we actually talk about that, a better question would be, what is rebranding? Is it pretty much, you know, changing a few colors? Is it, you know, telling a new story about yourself? What is it? What is rebranding? It is, in a, in a way, it's all of that and more. So it can be everything from, from that color and that look and feel of a brand to the overall message and, and really kind of that explanation of what your brand offers and, and how that public is going to come into contact with that. So, you know, your brand, when you think about a brand and a traditional business, you're probably thinking first about a logo and a color scheme. And yes, that is part of it, but also that messaging that maybe you're using on your website or how you're describing your products and services, how you're training your sales team to um, navigate those conversations out in the field. That's all a part of that brand. And it all really ties back to the overall mission and the vision of the company as a whole. Right. And, and uh, you know, it, when you begin, you have an idea and you, you want to form a company and, and you begin by putting together your ideas and, uh, you know, what problem you want to solve and what story you should be telling and all that kind of stuff. When you're working on all that, it's hard, hard as it is, you know, putting everything together, finding the right color that suits you. So I'm guessing rebranding. It's it's even a difficult, more difficult challenge because now you're established, you have that look and feel about you and moving away from that to go into something different. What are com- kind of some of the reasons, first of all, people rebrand, companies rebrand? Sure. For, for a rebrand, you're right. Since you do have that established brand, it, is, it can be a little bit challenging for somebody you know, to, to then think, oh, what could it be? What could it evolve into? 
But those rebrands really come at pivotal times for companies. So a lot of times when we're working with clients, we'll see, um, you know, maybe their maybe their core offering has really shifted from when they first established the brand. You know, maybe that's a, a change in leadership and a change in direction, or you know, maybe it's even just that current branding really isn't attracting the right target audience. And it really, there's something missing the mark where there's, there's a disconnect between what the brand is showing and what the industry or the offering is. And so those are really those pivotal moments that allow for a great transition on the branding side. Sure. Okay. And, and what does it kind of involve? So if someone's thinking, you know, uh, it's time to perhaps make that change. So what are kind of some of the steps and what elements would you change? Would you change completely everything? And what, what would you advise if someone does that? How, how they do this? Absolutely. It varies and it really depends on the individual business. So, you know, there are cases where changing everything is the right move and the right thing to do. But there are sometimes where you can just make little tweaks and updates and a refresh. You know, yeah. maybe it's a modernization of, of a logo or a font that's used. Um, you know, that's, well, that's a large undertaking to be able to update all the existing materials with that that new font or, uh, you know, the digital and print materials. Yeah. It, it's a subtle change compared to changing the whole brand um, where it can really kind of, you know, that we've seen it a lot with, with national and international brands like Dunkin' Donuts. They recently did a rebrand and even changed, you know, kind of, kind of the way that they're positioning themselves in the market too. But something as small as modernizing a font is something that we are seeing a lot of different business owners do for their businesses. On the other hand, changing everything, it, it, if that situation were right for the business, maybe, you know, maybe they, they're having a challenge connecting with the right target audience, or if they're offering a totally new service and their business has really shifted, maybe that existing branding, that color scheme, that it doesn't speak to what they're offering now. And so that's where we would come in and, and really look to do a full rebrand. Sure. And then how do you find, uh, you know, how does one find the right kind of color scheme? I mean, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a marketing expert, but I, I want to share a little story with you. So I had been running um, my, my podcast world for the last one year and then my, my coaching as well, my coaching business. And, um, and the primary colors I used were the three colors. So the red, uh, red blue, and, and white. And someone mentioned that kind of it's very similar to what their colors are. And I gave them a list of other brands that use the very similar colors. So the example like uh, Pepsi and Metro Bank and Nationwide Bank and Action Caution. There's a number of other brands that have very similar colors to, you know, how do you decide what colors to pick or, you know, so there's obviously your story and that's something you can work on that can be unique. When it comes to your branding and colors, how do you decide that without kind of overstepping or, or um, kind of becoming too close to some, something else? within your industry. It's very difficult to research, um, you know, things like that. So you, 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 you want to be as unique as possible, but it can be a very challenging task as well. How do you ensure that you do that? Definitely. I, for my clients and whenever we're working on a, a branding project, we think of it in a way of the target audience first. So who is that audience? You know, what, what is the message or the value that we're trying to convey to them? And then we really go from there. So color sometimes could be even though it might be the first thing we think of when we think of a brand, a color in a branding project might be one of the last pieces that we bring in because we really want to start at the front with the value first, you know, and especially if we're doing like a logo reimagination, 
we bring in that color last because color is so subjective and everyone can have a little bit of a different take on that. You know, that core mission and value is really that first piece that we try to be mindful of and bring in when we're bringing in the movement of a logo or the color of, or the color eventually. And for the colors themselves, you know, there are only so many, so many colors, of course, digitally, we have so many hex codes and different options Mm. that we can use. But when it comes to kind of, you know, thinking of a brand and, you know, oh, I want to change the color scheme. A lot of times, you know, kind of, we have that good foundation of information. First, we understand the person, the, the person that they're trying to reach that target audience, the industry that they're in, Um, you know, looking at some of the competition and being mindful of what other brands are out there, but, uh, but really trying to find the best way to make that brand unique. And, and that really comes back to that brand story and that brand message. So if we have that part and we really know the vision and the mission for the, the brand, sure. pulling it all together, uh, you know, a lot of times for health and wellness, which is an area that I work in quite a bit as well, you know, we see lighter colors, maybe a, a green or a mint or orange, kind of those colors a lot of times, even on taking me back to my psychology coursework. Long, long time ago, you know, a lot of the times the, the human brain associates those with vitality and health, you know, kind of a fresh, a fresh, lighter version, almost like you would if you're seeing a piece of fruit. Uh, and so, you know, that can work a lot of times for health and wellness, you know, on the technology side, blue is a lot of times an, a color that people associate with trust and security. And so if that's, you know, if that's something that aligns with a brand, then we can pull those different colors in. Um, so it's a little mix of psychology too, once we get to the color piece of it. Sure. Like you mentioned, you know, the, the color part is perhaps an important part, but that's something you look at something towards the end of it. Uh, first and foremost, all about the value, the vision, your story, what you're trying to sell. So how do you go about, you know, so you have this story, this, this, what you're doing now, and then you want to shift to something else. So how do you make that shift? Sometimes it becomes very difficult when it becomes your identity. How do you make that shift and make sure that you are now moving towards that new direction? So, so in your opinion, what, what, what would you do to make sure and, and how would you go about doing it in terms of getting your vision and your value and that, that part right? Well, I know we are in such a digital world and especially right now with everything that's going on, so many of us are focused on virtual and digital, but I still like to use a pen and paper. And, you know, really kind of have that evaluation period. So Mm. with the business owners, you know, who would be thinking, you know, is it time for a rebrand for me? Thinking about the company and and taking time and sitting down with it and, you know, thinking about when the brand was originally established. If it's been 10 or so years, maybe things in your business have changed a lot. And that color scheme, that logo, that tagline, even the messaging on the website doesn't really truly reflect what you're offering now. Also being able to kind of take it back again to the target audience of, you know, who is that customer? What do they look like? Where do they shop online? What are brands that they are interested in? Kind of doing that evaluation. And and sometimes that is partnering with a marketing consultant that can take you through that process. Um, We use a series of questionnaires and surveys with with the leadership team, the owner of the business, you know, any of their, any of their key decision makers that are involved in that process to really evaluate and understand where the business is right, you know, right now, where it's been, and to even see kind of as a first step, if we need a full rebrand, or if maybe we just need to refresh and modernize the the font that's being used to give it a little bit of a clean, a clean idea to the public. I was about to ask that, how, how do you kind of, kind of gauge that, you know, 
if somebody somebody thinks they need a complete rebrand, how do you kind of come in and, or if somebody wants to do that by themselves and go, you know what, I know it'll never come purely come down to, you know, oh, I don't like the colors of the brand, so I'm not going to buy from them. It's all about the value that you can provide first and foremost. I know it comes down to that. But having that, that right branding and, and then do those logos and all that kind of good stuff, you know, gives that boost to your, to your image. And, you know, if you're, if you're selling clarity, perhaps don't use the color gray, you know, do, do you know what I mean? Subconsciously, you're trying to give that message. How do you kind of, what I'm trying to say, what's the kind of point you realize, okay, perhaps maybe an update of a few minor changes is better than you changing the complete whole brand. I have seen a lot of very interesting reasons for, for thinking that there's a rebrand and there's definitely reasons not to rebrand too. Um, but, you know, in a scenario where a, a brand is coming to me and, and they're saying, you know, we, we want to redo everything. Well, I, I put on, you know, almost an inquisitive, I want to know why they want to. Yes, I love rebranding work, but I'm also not, I wouldn't feel comfortable putting somebody through the full rebranding process if they actually didn't need that for their business, that it wasn't going to help them. Uh, you know, so if it's been a scenario for the company where their mission values or their product or service offerings have completely shifted and they haven't communicated that, or there's a disconnect between what they're showcasing on, you know, their digital footprint or even an in-person footprint, those pieces, you know, that's kind of an early flag to me. Maybe, maybe it could be a full rebrand, not just a modernization of the font, you know, also if it's, a challenge where a brand's coming to me and they're saying, you know, we're having a time attracting the customer that we want to attract. Investigate that a little bit. Who is that customer? You know, they, what are they, you know, what are they looking for in a company and digging into those details to see where the disconnect is with that brand and maybe why there isn't that connection. Because while the brand is, is secondary to the value, it is very much, and I'm sure, you know, we're all human those first impressions matter too. So if, yeah. if you're trying to communicate health and, and wellness and, and value, you know, to, to help somebody live their best, most health, healthy life, and you're using a dull drab color in your marketing, well, that's an immediate disconnect. Somebody's not going to feel like, oh yes, that looks, you know, that looks like I can get, I can get and, and be my healthiest self. But if it's a vibrant, you know, fun, lighter color, and there's some movement in the brand, then that can really help set the tone for the for the customer overall. And so I, I guess it it's hard to say across the board, yes, it's you need a rebrand, you don't. It's easier to say when not to rebrand, but it really can vary. And that depends on those individual company happenings. You know, if, if there's been that significant shift, it could be time for a rebrand and a repositioning in the marketplace just to clarify that message as best as possible. Sure. So what I got from this is you're saying if it's uh, you know if if it's a new product or completely different set of products that they are launching and they're targeting a certain market, for example, you know before if you were targeting middle-aged men and now you're targeting young men, you perhaps wanna that's the time you want to take a little bit of a shift to to that. Okay, it makes complete sense. What what's been the most kind of challenging rebranding project for you? I would say anytime a an organization comes to me and wants to rebrand, but it's not necessarily aligned with the best reasoning to reband. That's always a challenge because, you know, somebody, the, the client is coming to me, they, they say they want to rebrand, but maybe they actually really need to look at their sales process. And so there is a little bit of that evaluation at, up front to make sure that we can be the most successful as possible. Um, you know, I, I, 
typically anytime that, you know, there's an internal, there's internal challenges or there's, there's problems, you know, within the company that you're trying to mask, uh, that's not the time to rebrand. The audience is, is wise enough to know that, you know, something maybe might, might be going on. They're, they're intuitive enough to pick up that something's not quite right. Or, you know, if sales are struggling and, you know, maybe it's just been a down year, that's also not a time to rebrand either. Um, and so probably those, those most challenging projects were where we really had to dig in and figure out what the bigger issue was, not just the branding, but, you know, maybe there's a disconnect between the marketing and the sales process or, um, you know, or there's, or there's a challenge on the website where there's a, an area of the functionality that's just not converting. So putting on, you know, and, and really digging into all the details to figure out what could really be at play there if a rebranding isn't the right fit. Sure. Here's the thing. You know, if you're if you're looking to um, let's let's take banking for example, and and I'm not, I'm not sure if you touch banking at all, but or technology companies primarily, uh, most technology companies, let's take pick Facebook or LinkedIn or or um, you know IBM or one of those big giants, right? Pretty much all of them use similar kind of a, a, sh- a shade of blue, a white, maybe perhaps red or gray or or sky blue or whatever that might be. How do you kind of make sure? Um, and I asked this question earlier on that you are not the same as your competitor or, or do you recommend that you can, you can completely go off? I'm not, and I understand that you did the reason they're using those colors because they're selling technology, they're selling speed, they're selling, you know, clarity, they're selling all that good stuff. How do you kind of deliver that message and at the same time, not be the same as everybody else? Well, with those examples you've given, yeah, there's a lot of blue going on there, but they're slightly different shades of blue too. So, uh, you know, I think for for general industries, you might see kind of a common color scheme, but especially on the the digital side and and even for the print collateral pieces, there are so many different shades that we can really get creative and and have that color scheme, but have it be unique to that brand because there should be, there should be differentiation. Right. That's what that's what sets any any business apart is how they can differentiate themselves in the marketplace. And sometimes very well, that is with the color. Uh, you know, maybe it's a, a lighter shade of blue or maybe it's a darker shade of blue uh, in that example. But there are a lot of ways to uh, with the color to tweak it slightly or to add in secondary colors in your, you know, your tagline or your other messaging that really can help you make that unique to your brand. Sure. And um, in, in terms of using uh, social media, how do you kind of pick a platform and, and how do you kind of connect with your audience to really understand? Because at the, especially when you're at the beginning or when you're changing, launching new products, what would be the best kind of platform would you suggest is to, to test your branding to, to see what kind of works well and what doesn't? It really depends on your target audience. So the, cause the, the channels that you would use to target to a 45 to 65 year old woman are going to be different than an 18 to 35 year old man. And so it, it really having a clear understanding of who, who that target is that you want to sell to first, that's the foundation for, for so many pieces of the marketing puzzle. Even when you're further down the line and have the brand established and you're trying to create that content ongoing. Uh, knowing who you speak to and, and making sure that that all your content and all your messaging really aligns with that with that person for testing 
Um, you know, there are different ways depending on the audience. You know, if, if say a brand was using their Facebook page and wanting to test and, and I, you know, maybe even their Instagram, especially today with stories and the popularity of stories, there's ways you can pull your audience right in a story frame. You can ask a question, you can give different options. There's also that functionality on Twitter where you can pull. And so, you know, especially for existing brands, a lot of times, uh, who, you know, who've already been on online and have an, an established following. I say, if you have a question, you know, and if it's, it's something simple enough, I, we use this for the clients that I work with quite a bit of, of pulling, you know, what are things that you'd like to see on our channel? What, you know, what's one question that you have right now that we can help you with? And, and really kind of using that real-time crowdsourcing information to, to help plan out your brand and your, on the content side, uh, or even for your existing customers and current customers for more of an internal option, uh, you know, even sending out a survey where you can get some of that feedback and ask your current customers if you don't already know the answers. Sure. So it's pretty much uh, either using a survey or, or, you know, as much as just try, uh, uh, messaging on on um, on your branding page and saying, hey, listen, I'm, on, I'm trying this out. What do you think? So it's yeah. something as simple as that. Okay. Social media is supposed to be social. So make a conversation <laughs> out of it and see, you'll be surprised. People love to have their input considered and um, to feel a part of it. So I've seen that for, you know, a brand considering new logos, they'll put them out and say, hey, you know, we're thinking of changing to one of these. What do you think? People will vote. They'll give you their, their opinion, um, you know, and, and a lot of times that's great to have that information from the audience directly. And, and does, it, does it kind of matter if the, uh, the size of audience you have? So if you have, I don't know, 10,000 people or 100,000, does it kind of make a difference? And what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is paralysis analysis, right? Because if it's 10,000 people, 6,000 might have one opinion, others, and you're kind of, it's, it's more, you get into that paralysis analysis. So does it kind of have an impact on the size of the audience you have? Or, or should I you just say- keep in mind, you know what, if... 50 people, a lot of 50 people think this much is, this is better than this. So this is working better than that. In some ways it's, it's both. So for the, for the survey or that piece, I would almost reach out to the audience in that scenario. And, and we recommend this, you know, if this is something that a client is interested in doing, once you have it narrowed down to maybe the final two, maybe you're torn between two, the, you know, the internal teams are torn in between two. Well, pull, you know, pull your target customer, see what they think. As far as the size of the audience, especially when you're talking about social media, it's a lot more about the quality over the quantity, uh, only because of the way that the algorithm works. If you have a, and I have some clients that have under a thousand followers on Instagram and they have 35 to 40% engagement month over month because of the quality of the audience that they've built versus some, uh, you know, more influencer style accounts that have hundreds of thousands of followers and only get 1% engagement. So as, as far as kind of that, when you're asking for opinions or you're polling people, I always say it's important to remember that it's just one data point. You know, if you have a resounding, everyone likes the first of the two options that you've put out, maybe that's onto something. But if you have 10 people, you know, for the first one and 20 for the second one, and then five like the other one, and, you know, seeing if that aligns with what you're thinking internally and get that verification and that validation from the audience. But it also is just one data point. You know your business better than anybody else, too. Sure. And what, what would be uh, one of the best way to kind of uh, 
review your own brand position to see where you stand right now um and uh um you know how how much more how much work you need to put in to make that shift it might be something tiny it might be something massive how would you go about doing that there's a review process that we typically go through and that includes you know reviewing the existing brand materials that could be a print you know a print collateral piece from years ago yeah. all the way to your current website your social media channels the messaging there and taking a look at the analytics of the audiences that are there too especially with those digital assets you know with your website Hopefully you have Google Analytics attached and you can kind of dig into the demographic and audience data there and pull that same data and information for your social media platforms too. Make sure that there's there should be crossover and overlap. Um, even if the age ranges are a little bit different, just because of the natural, the natural usage data from, you know, Facebook's use a little bit older these days. Yeah. Um, and you know, Instagram would be maybe the younger side of of, of that. Um, but you should have some commonalities between those different insights and analytics that come through, and you know, be able to then take take those different data pieces, evaluate if that matches up with your current audience and who you want your customer to be. And yeah. if it doesn't, if it doesn't, that's a that's a flag. That's something to note and look at. Also, looking at your competitors. And while you can't go into all of their analytics and their information. You can absolutely see as a general member of the public would things that they have on their website, you know, the messaging, the kinds of language that they're using, the colors in that, that kind of scheme that they're using and, uh, you know, and, and how that's received online too. You can easily see that. Um, and being able to evaluate those different pieces once you already have a good foothold on your own brand, yeah. just being aware of, of the compet- competition and what they're doing. And, you know, if, if there's things that when you're, re- when you're evaluating that different piece and that audience piece, and if there are things that don't match up, you know, taking some time to, to look into to why that is that, you know, it could be a, a, an issue of rebranding, but it also might be an issue of the messaging on the site too, which, right. um, you know, or the messaging that you're using in your social media. So there are a lot of different possibilities, but by doing that analysis and, and really kind of starting with the data first, the data will give you all the information that you need. Do you come across, you know, organizations or, or perhaps someone who's just starting out where you think, you know, they have such a valuable product or, or a valuable service and, you know, if their branding was slightly different or it was something, something else, you know, it will be very powerful. You will see that shift in their sales or perhaps they're doing they're doing well, but they could do much, much better. And you think branding is kind of the sticking point there. Perhaps people don't like the look of their site and, you know, the, the message that they're giving or it's just, it's just, it's not connecting with them, but their product that they're selling is powerful. I've seen it. It works. Absolutely. I have, I think being a marketer, you're, you know, you're almost in tune to that a little bit more. I actually enjoy watching commercials. So, you know, right. just to see what, what others are doing, but, uh, but definitely I think that I've seen, I can't think of a specific example right now, but I, I come across quite often in my research or in just as my activities as a consumer where, you know, I, I know the product's great. Maybe it's something that I've personally used, but their messaging is all over the place and it's confusing and hard to understand. And, you know, you just think about what that could look like for the brand if they really cleaned it up and got clear about what they were offering to the audience. Because if I'm, the, if I'm thinking it and I'm struggling, somebody else is likely struggling too. 
Sure. Got it. We're now coming towards the end of the show. Um, what's kind of some of the uh, you know best ways for people to connect with you and, and get in touch with you and ask you questions? Absolutely. I am real deal on pretty much all the socials. That's my personal. So uh, I'm pretty active on Twitter. Twitter is a great place to connect with me. My business handles are real deal marketing. And, you know, definitely there's engagement opportunities there. Uh, also on my website, there are a couple of resources uh, for this specific topic too, that could yeah. be helpful if people are looking to get, to get some more guidance or insight. There's some great worksheets or just information on, on more particulars about branding as a whole. And that's realdealmarketing.com. Awesome. And, and just before you go, uh, I've got two quick questions for you. So first of all, what's, your, what, what's a brand that you think it just works, it's, it's brilliant. Everything about it is just 100% brilliant from every angle, their messaging, their colors, everything. It just works. It is so tough to answer that question because I think that all brands could use some area of improvement, even the apples of the world. Really? Um, you know, I think I, as much as you love them and you love their products, I, I think that there's always, I think there's always room for improvement. I, that's just my personal belief for us as humans on the earth too. I'm yeah. always constantly evolving and improving, but you know, it, it seems that there are quite a few companies and organizations, especially right now that are really trying to offer that value and they're connecting in with their, org- with their, with their audiences. And I, I love to see that no matter what, you know, no matter what is going on with their branding from large businesses to, um, to small local shops around the world too. I would say, you know, one of a couple of my favorite brands, of course, I, I'm a user of this brand too, but the dry bar, which is a, a it's primarily, I believe in the United States, but it's a, a blow dry blowout services for your hair. Um, and they've been closed during all of this, but you know, they have, they have such a fun and, and lively brand. It's, you know, it's meant to be kind of a little, a real little respite and a retreat, you know, someone to do your hair. I often go and work while I'm there. And I, I feel like their branding and all their product names just really align really well with their target audience and uh, their ability to kind of connect and keep that fun experience, even for their products that you're using at home too. Awesome. And, and the other one was, uh, uh, what, what's your favorite TV ad? I don't know you just mentioned you watch TV ads, all time favorite TV ad. I think that changes with time. Uh, I have seen recently, I don't know if this has been happening in your neck of the woods too, but uh, I think nostalgia, I'm a huge Gary Vaynerchuk fan and he always talks so much about nostalgia and how it's such a big, such a big win for brands when they can pull into that. I've recently seen the Cadbury eggs commercials from when I was a child with yeah. the bunny and, uh, and I just love those. And I think anytime you can pull in nostalgia, those are awesome. So seeing some of those throwbacks has been really cool. I, you know, I think right now, so many brands are doing so many amazing things and they worked so quickly on the TV side to get messaging out that really aligns with what we're all going through. You know, whether that be, I saw a State Farm ad of all things the other day, but it really kind of, it was empathetic. It led with empathy first, talked about the situation and talked about what they were doing about it. And, uh, you know, anytime you can use that recipe, that's a win in my book. Awesome. My, um, for me, um, when it was, um, the first one I remember, even though there's so many that I like, is the Coca-Cola ad during Christmas time. That's yes. the one that first one that pops in my head, even though it was quite simple. It's just that it's the red color and the white and Coke. Yes. And that, that's the first thing that comes to my head. So that, that's the one that sticks out for me. Well, now I know is I have, 
And that just brings a smile to your face when you think about that one. Any, anytime a brand can do that and to bring that yeah. connection for us, that's a huge win. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, this was just very valuable. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great to be here. Pleasure. I hope you got some great value and insights from this episode. If, and if you're someone who wants to transition from being an employee to an entrepreneur, then I have some great free resources for you. If you visit www.jazbearaurora.com, that's www.jazbearaurora.com, and drop me a line, I will send you an ebook and also a one hour masterclass. And also um, go and take the Escape the 95 survey. Uh, which will help you understand where you are right now um, and where the gaps are in your knowledge to transition from being an employee to an entrepreneur. And if you're a business and you need help growing or if you have any uh, issues that you'd like to discuss, then yeah, once again, visit the website and I'll be more than happy to help you. Thank you for listening.